and her husband, which made them feel lucky. It's an old word, but Margaret was a virago, and even her silences were tortuous. Julep liked to say she was raised in a trailer, but the quarters offered the dog trainer were a pleasant bungalow. She and Bobby had fled in her fourteenth year to a nearby trailer on the estate to escape their mother. Dad would frequently come over with a bottle of whiskey, and they'd play a tearful game of gin rummy. Often he'd fall asleep on the trailer couch, waking at daylight to look after the dogs, which at this estate numbered forty-eight English pointers and a few retrievers. It was a schizophrenic upbringing, and if it were not for an interested teacher in each place, she would not have been saved. She was not unlike the legion of dislocated armed services brats to whom a true home has been and will always be an attractive fiction. But to the degree Julep was saved, Bobby was shattered, both by the reality of their situation and by an imagination so errant it boggled the clinical psychologist after the shooting. Remember when? she said to Bobby, who was behind a pane of glass almost permanently, the glass soiled by breath, tears, fingers, the longing between prisoner and imprisoned. Remember when we cut the hole in the trailer floor? His face was dissected by what appeared to be fine chicken wire embedded in the glass. She had lost him. His Adam's apple bobbed, and his bad eye framed by the wire drifted off, ignoring her question. I like it here. I have a black friend named Ralph. I'm teaching him how to read and write because he doesn't know how. Ralph's gay. Is that what you have in mind for yourself? she asked, trying to prolong his attention. No, you know that I'm nothing. Mom and you and Marcia saw to that. At least, that's what they told me. So it's our fault, Julep said. I don't doubt that. Everybody on Earth fucks up everybody else. That's not exactly new, is it? She only added the question to keep him going. Until now, he had refused to see her nor had he answered any of her letters the past three months. I doubt that. I believe in free will, not predestination. I told them what I did so I could stay in the forensic center. Another prisoner told me, keep bullshitting. It's a lot better here than Rayford. There was a pond and birds out the window. So I said everything I could think of to keep them interested and stay there longer. She glanced over at the clock and then behind her at a guard, who seemed to be studying her fanny on the chair with an intensity she had grown accustomed to over the years. She turned back to her brother with the whisper of an ache beneath her breastbone. I saw a new lawyer, she said. He told me you would have got off if you admitted you were crazy. You would have spent a couple of years in the nuthatch, then got out. You still might be— supposing that I can get your victims, judge, and prosecutor to agree to a change of plea on your part. No way. I'm not crazy. I shot those fuckheads out of free will, and that's that. I admit that Dad told me it was okay. Bobby, you know Dad is dead. 
tears flowed upward into her throat, and his features blurred. Maybe he's dead to you, but not to me. He told me to go right ahead and shoot those who defiled my sister. Bobby became rigid for a moment at her tears, which she hastily wiped away. I never once heard him use the word defile, but maybe you did. She added the last to humor him. How come you agreed to see me after all this time? I need my little bait box. You know, under the old trailer floor where we cut the hole. I need my arrowhead, stones, and marbles. Jim Crabb lives there now, but he'll let you in. The key's under the doormat if he's gone. Now he stood and stretched with the awkward muscularity of one who burns up his rage by pumping iron in the prison weight room. He affected, she thought, her eyes...